You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We always say that the Paracast is a worldwide show. Of course, I'm in Arizona. Our special guest co-host, Tim Swartz, is in Indiana. And Philip Mantle is somewhere secreted inside a huge underground bunker in the UK. Is that where you are, Philip? Absolutely. I've got my own private bunker. You know that, Gene. (laughs) I know. I think the way things are, I would like to be there. Well, yeah, I wish it was true what I am. In fact, I live in a little town called Pontefract in in West Yorkshire in the north of England. And the sun's shining after a day of rain, so everything's looking rosy. Now, I don't know if this is going to be a rosy comment to make, but we had the UFO hearings last week in the U.S. on a Tuesday. Lasted 90 minutes. Philip, I understand you watched it. Did you watch the whole thing? Yeah, I watched the whole thing, yeah. So tell us in 3,000 words or less, what did you think? Well, not a lot, really. I, I thought it was going to go on for longer, to be honest, uh, gentlemen. I, I had no idea how long it was going to last. Some of the political hearings they have here in open session go on for, you know, go on all day. So I, w- I was set for the day, but thankfully it was only 90 minutes. We didn't learn an awful lot. Um, national security seemed to be the overriding factor. That was it, really. I mean, it was good, I suppose, that it happened in the first place. It's just, you know, some people said it's a, a step on a long journey, but um, I don't know. I'm not calling me skeptical or cynical, but I, I didn't expect a lot from it, so therefore I wasn't disappointed. And I, I don't expect a whole lot more, to be, to be honest, but uh, I'd love to be wrong. That's my summation of it, guys. You know, 90 minutes of my life that I'll never get back. <laughs> Send them a bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a good idea. But it happened here. Yeah. So, look, you know, let's be positive about it for the for now and, and see if it leads anywhere. It's unlikely. You know, you see various individuals were bigging it up to begin with and are still bigging it up afterwards, even though there was nothing in it. Let's see if they're right. We shall see. Yes, we shall. Now, our friend Kevin D. Randall, and you know him because you've published one of his books and probably know him a long time as we do, said this would be Condon 2.0. He expected nothing of it. Do you think we can go that far, Philip? Yeah, I mean, I've spoken with Kevin about it recently, and uh, we were both pretty much on the same page. I mean, Kevin, you know, was... was worked in the military, he knows more about security classifications than I will ever do. So I took his lead on that. And um, yeah, national security. And, uh, you know, some people have said, is it a backdoor way of trying to get more money for the the military budget? You know, because it get, keep pushing, is it Chinese, is it Russian? It could be, might not be, but it may be. So we better be prepared just in case it is. I don't know, but uh, it was just what it was. I lost part of that. Just continue that last part, Philip. Go ahead. I'm just saying it's, it was not what we say, nothing to write home about, really. Um, when, you know, so many people had great expectations of it. Probably nowhere, but let's hope we're wrong. Yes, indeed. It's not that we expect them to get up there and say, hey, folks, we're being visited by E.T., but regardless of what they are, if we don't know what they are, 
That's a potential threat to national security. We don't have to go beyond that. That's the one yeah. point. The other point here, you mentioned maybe a gauge to increase the military budget. It's that that much of a threat. They haven't seemed to spend a lot of money on it. Right now, we have the war in Ukraine to keep the military contractors busy. We don't need to worry about flying saucers. Yeah, but this was something that was in the pipeline before the um, the war in Ukraine erupted. Um, we, were, we were constantly told that there were going to be an invasion. And we didn't seem quite prepared for it, did we? You know, it's a, you, you wouldn't think uh, uh, the war in the Ukraine and Russia would affect the rest of the world, but it, it has. And we're, and we're all feeling it uh, economically in one way or another. And, of course, the, the poorer countries will suffer the greatest. But there you go. Like, like I said, gentlemen, we'll see what happens with it. You know, they've, they've made a number of assurances. They've, they've, they've dangled a few carrots. You know, they've got 400 cases. Kind of made me laugh when, when somebody asked, you know, how do, they, how do the military report these things? And they say they fill a form in. <laughs> well... You know, UFO groups have been doing that for, for decades. You fill a forming. So despite whatever budget they may have or may not have, despite what people are working on it, if you want to report something, you still got to fill a forming. Okay, it'll be an electronic one, direct to whoever. But um, it just kind of made me chuckle. I'm thinking for, for decades, UFO groups have been uh, treated with disdain at times and mocked. But we've done pretty much the same as they're doing, really. And um, good luck to them. That's what I say, gents. Leave, leave them to it. Let's see what happens. Now, when it comes to private UFO organizations, none of their work has impacted this at all. Nobody mentions it. Nobody mentions that civilian researchers have been looking at this thing for over 70 years. People like you and me and Tim for many, for many decades and we have lots of reports. I do think, though, they could be more modern about it. You know, the eye doctor my wife visits, the, what they do when they need to get your patient information instead of filling out these dumb forms, they hand you an iPad, you tap a few things, and that's it. Maybe they should order from Apple. Now, I'll say Apple because that particular platform is better for this kind of thing. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> Give out iPads to investigators to accumulate information. It would be a lot easier and more consistent. Well, that was a, a curious thing um, that wasn't mentioned, unless I, unless I, you know, mistook something. I didn't see any information or, or any suggestion of an investigation or, an, or investigators. Um, I didn't see anybody that was going to go out and interview these witnesses because they're only dealing with the military, of course, and going back just to, to the year 2000. So everything before that, forget it. You know, any members of the public, forget it. Um, but I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, I didn't hear any mention of, a, of an investigative body, you know, what it was filler forming. Um and, and collect the data. You know, I'm assuming that they're also looking at, you know, film and video and radar and that kind of thing. Um, but it's still filling a form in and, and pretty much like you do with MUFON. If you want to report a sighting, you can just go on their website, report it. If you've got photographs and video, you can upload them and, and away they go. At least they have, you know, a bunch of 
volunteer investigators, good, bad and indifferent, probably. Um, but I didn't see any mention of that. So I, I don't know where it's what it's where it's going to lead to. We'll, 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 again, we'll have to wait and see, really, um, because we haven't got a lot of information. So we only, can only speculate, can't we? Well, I'm looking here at a press release from MUFON making a statement about the UFO hearing. It says they have 1,100 volunteers nationwide and 46 international chapters. And I assume the volunteers are people who are investigators. But the total membership is 4,600. Now, the Paracast may not be the biggest show on the planet, far from it, but we reach a lot more than 4,600 people. So basically, we are larger than MUFON. So you have this organization that's been around since 1969. And that's all the members they could accumulate, 4,600, after all these many years. And a lot of the people there are people who have been with them almost for the duration. We're going to talk in a few minutes about a book called UFO Landings UK. The author is Philip Mantle. And he has a little company called Flying Disc Press that has published a lot of great books, including on the Pascagoula episode from Calvin Parker. Our special, special guest co-host is Tim Swartz. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. 
frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you. People seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com. And use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. When I was a kid, I wanted to be just like Cal Ripken. It's definitely humbling to know that now people are calling me a hero. Instead of finding the IED with my metal detector, the IED found me first, and that resulted in double above knee amputations. It's hard to describe the feeling of meeting somebody that you've always wanted to be like. There are people now that are looking up to you for their inspiration and to be their role model. Visit saluteheroes.org to learn more. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We continue with Philip Mantle. The book is UFO Landings UK. Philip, you first released this book a couple of years back and you've updated it since then? I didn't actually release it a couple of years back. It, it was ready for, for release. And what was happening here in the UK, we were in the process of making a TV documentary based on some of the cases featured in the book. And once you upload it to, um, to Amazon, if you don't set an exact date, then it's the day you upload it. And, of course, then COVID hit. So the documentary was put on hold. Uh, we did manage to film about half of it. We've filmed some more now since the, since COVID has, has not disappeared, but the, the regulations have gone. And we have one more person to interview and the documentary will be done. The book was just left in, in limbo. And I decided, look, I, I didn't know at that point if the documentary was going to get finished or not. So I release it now while, while I've got the chance uh, and I've got the time as well. So it was written during lockdown, you know, it was finished because it's been a project, Gene, that's been on my back burner for a number of years. I just kept moving the line in the sand a bit further away. You know, I'd wait for another case coming in or I would be looking at something else. All the while, the, you know, things are being compiled. So once, once I, I'd started it, only briefly, 
And uh, I thought, I better get this finished now, because I thought, if I don't finish it now, then I never will. I even thought about changing it while it's been sat in limbo as well. And I thought, if I change it, I'll not publish it. I'll wait for something else. I'll wait for the next piece of information. So whilst you may see a, a date from a year or two back on Amazon, it's it's actually out now. So, And it's up and running. It's in paperback, hardback, Kindle, an audio book. Take your pick. Like I said, the documentary, hopefully, will be finished pretty soon. When there will be a broadcast date, that, that's another thing. But uh, it's, it's, it's up and running. We're, we're getting there. How did you happen to select cases to cover in this book? I just compiled anything that came my way, Gene. You know, I, I've had an interest in UFO landing cases right from the very early days when I dipped my toe into the the ufological pool, so so to speak. And I managed to meet a number of individuals and interview them. So they were in my case files. Uh, a lot of those were in paper format, up the old papers, you know. But then I'd read something else. I've got, I've had, a, I'm fortunate that I've got a nice collection of books and magazines and publications, and I've got colleagues and contacts. And I would say, you know, to some of my colleagues, I'm, I'm you know, I'm interested in this. I didn't badger them. This is, this is going down the years. Say, I'm, I'm interested in this type of case. You know, have you researched anything or have you got anything? And they would say, yeah, I've got this, Philip. Here you go. And so gradually, slowly but surely, the case files would, would mount up. And I didn't really exclude any of them uh, that I'm aware of, apart from one. And that was one that came in after the book had been uh, completed. And um, the way I judged them, if, if you want to use that word, I, I looked back at um, Alan Hynek. And I remember his, his phrase, you know, high strangeness. And all of these cases, in, in my humble opinion, have got a, a level of high strangeness one way or another. And, and for me, that makes it more difficult to try and explain them or to write them off as misidentifications or, or whatever. Um, but, you know, so they were just compiled down a couple of decades or more, uh, several decades. And... Um, I, I, I wasn't sure how to, to lay the book out to begin with. I thought, shall I do it by area? Shall I do it by country? You know, because even though we're the UK, we've got England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. And I thought, well, obviously England's the biggest, so you'll have one news chapter on, on things in England and not so many in Wales and Ireland, etc. So in the end, I decided to lay it out in decades. You know, each decade, decade by decade, beginning with um, a few cases that happened before Kenneth Arnold, um, because we know June the 24th of this year is the 75th anniversary of Flying Saucers. But again, we are aware that things were recorded prior to Kenneth Arnold, so I thought I'd, I'd give a nice example of some of the things here. So it's laid out in decade format, and there are some extremely fascinating and bizarre cases in equal measures through, throughout the book, in my opinion. Do you cover any cases that didn't pass muster after thorough investigation? There's always a, f a few. Um, for example, there's, there's a couple of cases in the book that um, we would class as a, um, an alien abduction account. 
which was the subject of my very first book, which was called Without Consent. And I updated that a couple of years ago. So I was, I was wondering whether I should include what we would class as abduction accounts. Um, but I thought I, I had to, because one or two fitted into that, really did fit fit nicely into the the, the, the the layout of the book. So there weren't ones that didn't pass muster, but there were ones that I thought, well, no, this is not right for this book. Or, for example, the Rendlesham case, December 1980, probably Britain's most well-known UFO event. But I couldn't do that justice in just writing a, a, a few lines about it. You know, there's been whole books written about it. So I decided to try and not put in any any items like that that were already well-known and popular, unless I had something new to add, of course, but I don't. So that was put to one side simply because it's already been covered in, in other books in, in totality so far. So that that's the way I looked at it, gentlemen. That's the way I approached it. Now, when it comes to Rendlesham, there have been some statements from British UFO researchers where they don't think it's a mystery anymore. And I mentioned Jenny Randalls and David Clark as examples where they've become skeptics of Rendlesham. Yeah, I mean, Jenny changed, has changed their mind several times down the years. I don't know what her current stance is. Uh, David's always skeptical. That's, that's his nature. Uh, however... You know, David, he absolutely believes that Colonel Holt and his party misidentified Orford Ness Lighthouse. That's his opinion, not mine. However, I have asked him, well, OK, what about John Burroughs and Jim Penniston? Totally different night. You know, what about what they claim to have encountered in, in the middle of the uh, Rendlesham Forest? And he just said, I don't know. He doesn't really have an explanation for that. But David goes on to point out that there were a number of things in the sky at that time that were natural phenomena. So there was a number of things happening all at once. What is curious to me, gentlemen, and I'm not sceptical in that respect, is you have Pennison and Burroughs in the forest. And they are only a matter of yards apart from each other. They encounter this thing. And John just describes it as a some strange lights. We've got more with Philip and Jean and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Here's a question for you. Why is it that some people aren't as stressed out about the future as you'd think they'd be? Answer? They're probably among the millions of Americans who have prepared themselves with emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. If the worst ever happens, literally millions of American families are already protected from dealing with empty store shelves. Is yours? If not, go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now and grab some emergency food kits, at least one for each member of your family. These kits give you a wide variety of delicious meals that average over 2,000 calories per day. Everything stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. Order your kits now by going to MyPatriotSupply.com. Your order will ship fast and arrive discreetly in unmarked boxes. Listen, this is something you need to jump on now, before the next news headline stuns the world. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Texas Governor Greg Abbott wants to know how police officers really responded to this week's school shooting in Uvalde. He's livid as new details have emerged about what actually happened as the 18-year-old gunman attacked the school, killing nine kids and two adults. It was learned that a Border Patrol agent, not local police officers, took out the gunman. Local officers in Uvalde did not even engage the shooter. Colonel Stephen McCraw is director of the Texas Department of Public Safety. Of course it was not the right decision. It was a wrong decision, period. There's no no excuse for that. It was also learned that parents who urged officers to take action were pushed back as gunshots were still heard. Barely 900 votes separate celebrity physician Dr. Mehmet Oz and former hedge fund CEO Dave McCormick in the Republican primary for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. A recount is underway in the Keystone State. This is USA Radio News. Temperatures barely climbed into the 90s and only for a couple of days. However, the discovery of the bodies of three women inside the Chicago Senior Housing Facility this month is leaving the city looking for answers to questions that were supposed to be addressed after a longer and hotter heat wave killed more than 700 people nearly three decades ago. The Cook County Medical Examiner's Office has yet to determine the causes of death for the three women whose bodies were found in the James Snyder apartments on May 14th. The victims' families have already filed or plan to file wrongful death lawsuits against the companies that own and manage the buildings. A settlement has been reached with families who lost relatives in last year's collapse of a Surfside, Florida condominium tower that killed 98 people. The billion-dollar settlement to end litigation over the Champlain Tower South tragedy now awaits approval by a judge. Lawyers previously had announced in court a tentative agreement that the money would be split by the families whose relatives died or were harmed in the collapse of the 12-story tower. You're listening to USA Radio News. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? I think Tim Swartz wants to be the shadow. <laughs> anyway, Philip Mantle joins us. He probably doesn't know about American pop culture, so I won't bring it up. Now, Burroughs bothers me that case because he got sick probably at a younger age than what we would expect for a heart condition, and it took years and the help of a lawyer to persuade the VA to cover him for his illness. I'll come back to that. As I was explaining, you've got Burroughs and Penniston 
only yards apart from each other viewing this thing. And John described it as strange lights, which was what is was initially sighted descending into the forest. Jim Pennison, on the other hand, says there's this triangular-shaped object pretty much on the ground or almost on the ground. He touched it. It was warm. He walked around it. It had these glyphs on the side of it. John Burroughs, it was just a few yards away. I said, I never saw any of that. I just saw these lights. There's a discrepancy there. Uh, I'm not saying it's anything to do with the gentleman lying or anything like that. Quite the opposite. But you're right, John, a long time after he'd finished in, in his service, had heart problems and, and did seek a lawyer and, and, and they helped him with the, with the VA get some, some compens- compensation, we would call it. I don't know how old he was when he, when he took ill, but it's not uncommon. And I can speak from my own perspective. Um, I'm 64 now. At the age of 41, I was married to young children, you know, working full time. Fit and healthy, didn't smoke, and out of the blue, I had a near fatal heart attack. This was in August of 1999, and one of the older overriding things I remember when being in the hospital was the doctors and nurses saying, "Oh, aren't you young to have a heart attack?" Because I looked around me, and pretty much there were everyone, all the other patients were older than me, you know. And I don't claim anything. You know, heart, heart disease runs in our family. My father died of it. My brother died of it. And it's damn near killed me a few times. But, it, you know, it's not uncommon. Uh, but John, in fairness, did, did use his, um, his legal advisor and seek compensation and thankfully obtained it. But then you go to, to here in the UK, you go to what, what was what we call the Condine Report, which was written by... Um, uh, Dr. Ron Haddow for the Ministry of Defence. I think it was released in early 2000s. It was. It took four years to compile. And Ron, in in uh, Dr. Haddow in in the Condon report, talks about these lights, and he's worried about the exposure from them and and their interference with aircraft electrical systems. And, uh, and, of course, it comes up with an unknown. He says it's, there's some kind of plasma. And if that is the case, then maybe it did affect John. You know, if you get too close to it, it, it I don't know, irradiates you, has EM effects, whatever. But that's just a theory. And that was a classified report as well, gentlemen. It, it wasn't made publicly available until Dr. David Clark um, had it released under the Freedom of Information Act. And... and John Burroughs has referred to that report on on many occasions. So make of it what you will. But, you know, Rendlesham is still a case that's, that's, you know, been looked at. I think pretty much all of the witnesses are still alive and available for interview. Unlike Roswell, for example, I think as far as we're aware, everyone that was involved at the time has now passed away. So you can still, but the problem with, with, with Rendlesham, we have to remember, we, we started off with some strange lights descending into the forest. That's what was seen initially. And we now have ended up with a time machine. Jim Penniston says it was a time machine. Us. This is us from the future. And you think, well, what the hell happened in between? Well, how did we get from some funny lights to a time machine? Uh, so it's become more of a legend. And again, that's 
you know, I'm not saying anyone's lying or anything like that because I'm not. So once it becomes myth and legend, it's very difficult to sort out the wheat from the chaff, I'm afraid. But uh, it's still a fascinating story and one I'm sure will still be debated for years to come. But it, for my purposes, it was too big a story to try to trim down and do it justice in, in my UFO landings book. I thought people would rather read about other cases that they've never heard of rather than one that they, they, they probably have. Hence, it didn't make it into the book. For a lot of people, skeptics, I suppose, that say that, uh, you know, there's nothing to UFOs, you know, just just some lights in the sky that can be easily explained. Yet, in your book, it's jammed packed full of these landing cases. And these are just from the UK. I mean, you know, uh, God knows how many more there are, you know, all across the, the planet. So, I mean, uh, you really can, can, can point to these cases and, and, you know, tell people who aren't familiar with the phenomena. And uh, uh, this would be a good example of uh, if there's ever a, another congressional hearing that there really is a lot more to the UFO phenomena than just some uh, strange lights in the sky. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is one of the reasons for writing this book. And some of the other stuff I've done, you know, previously as well. And I, I, one of the reasons I've concentrated just on the UK is because certain individuals or members of the press and the media in general will have you believe that if these events are reported, they're only reported in the desert of New Mexico or, you know, the swamps of Mississippi, you know, and then they'll make fun of that. But as you and I no, that's, that's, as you've said, that's not the case. And we, I can literally wave this, I mean, I can smack them around the back of the head with this book. It's quite, it's quite a, a hefty tome and say, well, have a look at these. These are not from the New Mexico desert or the Mississippi swamps. This is from your own back garden. And, and one of the first cases I ever investigated way back in, in the summer of 1980 was in my back garden, a little town, a little mining town, just a few miles from, from where I lived. And I didn't need an awful lot of convincing, but that if I did, that was the case that convinced me that I wasn't wasting my time. There was a genuine phenomena here, wasn't easily explained, as I thought it would be, again, very naively on, on my, my behalf. Um, and here I am all these years later, still writing about it and still talking about it. So, but these things happen and they are difficult to explain. Um, this is what I talked about, the high strangeness factor. Um, as most UFO organizations will tell you, and I used to help run one as well, most sightings that are reported do have a conventional explanation. Um, I, you know, the great majority of them do. But there are accounts on occasion that you cannot just write it off and say it is this or it's that. Or like Philip Glass used to do when he couldn't find an answer, just call the people liars, you know, as simple as that, or a hoax or whatever. Uh, but he, he would he would have that always up his sleeve, did, did uh, Mr. Glass. Um, but it's difficult. It is difficult to say, well, this is an illusion or they were imagining things or they mistook a helicopter or whatever. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it's very difficult. And that's why I don't speculate in the book 
what these things may or may not be. I allow the readers themselves to reach their own conclusions. You know, I, I'm certainly not the person to, to indoctrinate or try to indoctrinate anyone or tell them anything. Here's what we've uncovered. Please have a read and, and, and draw your own conclusions. Make up your own mind. And um, that's, that's the way it is. And hopefully they'll come up with something interesting to point to. Now, in terms of a UFO landing, where is your starting point? Just anything that touches the ground briefly, or must it actually land for a period of time to constitute a UFO landing? We'll have Philip Mantle's answer in just a moment. And by the way, he'll stick back with us for the After the Paracast podcast for our Paracast Plus listeners because we can't run out of questions to ask him. The book is UFO Landings UK, and our guest co-host is Tim Swartz. I am Gene Steinberg, and you're not. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Radio. Why should I advertise on radio? There's nothing to look at, no pictures. Listen, you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on TV. That'll be the day. All right, watch this. Okay, people, and now when I give you the cue, I want the 700-foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into Lake Michigan, which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate. Then the Royal Canadian Air Force will fly overhead, towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry, which will be dropped into the whipped cream for the cheering of 25,000 extras. All right, cue the mountain. Okay, 
25,000 cheering extras. Now, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork. You know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. This is Jennifer Stein, executive producer of The Disclosure Dialogues. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So the question I asked to Philip Mantle before we broke, about UFO landings, must it spend time on the ground or just touching the ground for a moment? Does that constitute a landing? Most of these cases in there, that the objects that were observed were actually on, on on the ground. There are one or two that, you know, were just above it, a few inches, a foot, whatever. So I'm not going to rule it out just because of that. Um, pretty much as far as we're concerned, it's on the ground. And, and not only that, it's up close and personal. Uh, and there's various layers of, of high strangeness. Uh, as Hynek pointed out, it could be more than one witness. Um, there could be some, you know, effects left on the environment. There may be some official documentation that follows on uh, and so on. And and these cases have got bits and pieces of that mixed in them amongst all of them, no matter where they, they happen here in the UK. I mean, there's, there's one in the late 70s, a, a chap who I've met and interviewed with a chap called Philip Shepherdson. He's pretty sure it was on the ground, but he said it might have just been hovering, Philip. But it appeared to me it was it was it was on the ground. This happened near, near York in in North Yorkshire. Just just to go on the record, Philip's been interviewed for our documentary, and he's 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 never been on TV before. So that that'll be something new for people who watch these kind of things as well. But he's he's also featured in the, in the book, so that that's where we go with cases like that. I think one of my favorite cases, and I'm happy that it's in this book, and it's it, it's really a bizarre case. And then plus, it's been uh, uh, brought back up again uh, uh, fairly uh, recently. And this was the 1954 uh, uh, Staffordshire uh, case. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Jesse, uh, uh, I'm not. Oh, sure. Je- Je- yeah, Jesse yeah. Rosenberg. Rosenberg, well, yes. Yeah, I mean, Je- Jesse uh, on occasion had uh, already appeared on television, and she was in some p- pretty sort of well-known documentaries at the time, probably made in the in the seventies. And the, the way Jesse came across was 
she would convince you of anything. That's how 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 she talked. You know, she was extremely believable, extremely down to earth, and she described one. Of, I mean, one of the, the the sightings described is it coming coming out of the house, and it it was over the house. This thing was so big, it, it was over the house. And um, what is interesting is that the the, the um, we'll call them the beings, the creatures, whatever. They were pretty much human-like that, that she observed, you know, because um, this was, the, like you said, the 1950s. And I, I got asked a couple of years ago, um, might have been by you, gentlemen, I can't remember who it was, but somebody said, well, where have all the Space Brothers gone? Hmm. Because, of course, in the 1950s, that was what people were talking about, you know, the contactees. Uh, the, the aliens were our friendly Space Brothers come to save her from, you know, doom and disaster and that's pretty much you know the kind of thing that um mrs rosenberg saw and she was being interviewed again i've got a great colleague called john hansen john is a former um cid police detective uh, now retired has a huge archive of material but what john's done is not just preserved the archives he's gone and interviewed a number of people one has had the chance, and Mrs. Rosenberg was one of them. And uh, I use a lot of John's material th throughout the book. And she was so believable. You know, and again, you, you have to say, well, there's no way she could misidentify these things. It's not a helicopter. Um, so you have two choices. Uh, and Kevin Randall disagree with me. <laughs> They're either telling the truth or the lying, you know. Kevin said, no, they're either lying or they've seen, uh, you know, UFOs. I, I know. <laughs> but, but Mrs. Rosenberg is one of the witnesses, as you said. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you remembered her because she, you, you probably can find some of her interviews online because, she, like I said, she appeared in a couple of documentaries. But an extremely believable lady and um, a fascinating incident indeed. Well, and she wasn't alone in her sighting. Her two sons... That's right. Her, ch her okay. children were there, yes. Her children were with her. And she was very protective of them. I'm not sure if they were ever interviewed. John may have made reference to it, but I, I don't recollect, you know, any detailed accounts of her, her, uh, her children being interviewed, which is, again, it's not uncommon. You know, I've, I've known that before. There's um, a couple of ladies in the book who, whose children were involved. Uh, and, you know, they've never, even though they've grown up, they've, they've never been interviewed. So they, they were very protective, and rightly so. I think one of the fascinating things about a lot of these cases is that, and especially with some of the old ones, uh, you have people with these experiences who really have no, um, I suppose, pop culture references to go back on that, you know, some debunkers would, uh, uh, you know, would say, oh, well, you know, they just, you know, they saw um, uh, a, a show on the television that night or, or the night before and that, you know, that was their influence. But, you know, a lot of these cases are so similar with people who who really you can tell um, uh, this is something, you know, uh, completely new and outside of their experiences. Absolutely. And, um, 
you know, Mrs. Rosenberg appeared in the in the local newspapers and did drawings of what she saw. Uh, there, is, there is a picture of her with the children, but I'm I'm, I'm not aware of uh, of them being interviewed at all. But that's why, you know, one of the cases um, goes back to 1943 in the book, and um, it involved a gentleman called John Warren. And it was in May 1943, Mr. Warren was in the Royal Air Force, and he was based at uh, RAF Ludham, which is near Norwich in Norfolk. And, of course, there is no reference to flying saucers and aliens in the RAF in the middle of the Second World War. Now, Mr. Warren, and I interviewed Mr. Warren, you know, in person, uh, in, but in the 1980s, and um, he'd gone to, he got a night off, and he was actually a, an armourer, so we, he would arm the aircraft with their various uh, arsenals. And uh, he got a night off to go to a local dance. And he missed the last train home. This was still a time when we had lots of little local train stations. So he had to walk home the 12 miles. Now, it wasn't the walk back that bothered him. It was the fact that if you were late back you could be in big trouble and you wouldn't get a, another pass to go out anywhere so he walked the 12 miles back as he's approaching the base it's obviously dark and he said up, up ahead there was a, a green glow and as he got closer this was by the side of the road there is a um, a being standing there perfectly still it's got a, a box of some description on its chest and from the top of this box it's, it's shining a green glow onto its face. It kind of made its face look distorted. Like it looked like it got a big grin on its face. And behind it, on the grass verge, there was an object on the ground. Uh, Mr. Mr. Warren said it looked like a bell tent. And then behind, to the left again, there were two more of these creatures. I mean, it frightened the living daylights out of him. He ran back to the base. One of his friends had been waiting up for him and managed to let him in through a window. Um, so he didn't get into trouble for coming late back. And he told his friend about it. And um, I did some local media when I moved house in the 1980s, and Mr. Warren contacted me. So I only lived a short distance away from him. So I went to interview him, you know, in person, in the house. And um, he'd, he'd originally reported it back in the 1960s, I believe. Um, and in the book, we have... Um, his reply from the UFO group. Um, you know, I remember sitting there in, the, in, the, in his front in his front room. He, I mean, he drew me a little sketch of this thing. And you just see this strange creature standing at the side of the road. Um, and, and he said, Philip, you know, he said, had I been armed, I would have shot it. I didn't put this in the book because it's not in the case file, but he told me this. And he said... Um, because and it wasn't us. This is 1943, you know, the height of the Second World War. And if it wasn't us, it must be the enemy. But he said, you know, he rather jokingly said, you know, you don't take a firearm to a dance. So, um, so he had no reference for this, is what I'm trying to say. This is the middle of the Second World War. I don't think they'll sit down and watch science fiction movies all night uh, in, in the office's mess. Um so, again, you have to say Mr. Warren is either telling the truth or he's lying. You know, um, one thing I should mention here, he obviously wasn't aware of the possibility that E.T. might not set their phasers on stun. 
Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we've got more to come with Philip and Jean and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com, or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So the important point here is that even before June 24th, 1947, near Mount Rainier in the state of Washington in the U.S., there were UFO landings in different parts of the world. As Philip Mantle, author of UFO Landings UK, is telling us, speaking of possibly firing a weapon at a UFO, any other cases where any of the witnesses considered that? Not in this book, not necessarily a weapon, but it's kind of similar. A very famous uh, abduction account in the UK uh, happened in uh, November 1980, just before the Rendlesham event, nowhere near there, at a place called Todmorden in West Yorkshire, and it involved police constable Alan Godfrey. Now, PC Godfrey was in his patrol car on night duty. It was basically a mill town, was was Todmorden, lies on the border between Yorkshire and Lancashire, surrounded by hills. There'd been a report of some cows uh, had had escaped, had been wandering around a local housing estate. So he'd been looking for these cows during the night. 
So shortly before his night shift finished, he, he saw a, a, a foot patrol officer in the town centre, had a chat with him, and said, "I'm going to take one more look for these cows, and then that's my my you know my shift finished." He drove up through the, the centre of the town. It is indicated to take a, a turn, and then up ahead, he saw this light. So he didn't turn. He continued. She thought it might be an early morning bus bringing, you know, local employees to the to the local mill. But as he got closer, there was a thing either on the road or just above it, blocking the road. I mean, completely blocking it. It was shaped like a, a children's spinning top. It was dark grey in colour. The top half of it had a, a bank of panels or windows and the bottom half was rotating. And PC Godfrey sat there in his patrol car. He tried to radio through to the police station, couldn't get through. So he had a clipboard in the car. So he took, picked up the clipboard and started to draw this thing. And then the next thing he remembered, he's hundreds of yards down the road, now driving the police car. Didn't remember pulling off. Uh, he turned around and this thing had gone. Alan said it had been raining during the night and where this thing had been on the road, the tarmac on the road was dry. So he went back to the police station. He arrived a little bit late, which kind of bothered him. As he was getting changed, um, he noticed a, a mark on the inside of his left foot and his police boot was split, which there hadn't been the night before. As you know, gentlemen, our police officers are not routinely armed. But Alan did say if... if kind of reminded me in some respects to what Mr. Warren was saying. Alan said, if I'd have got out of my police car and I've had a brick, I could have thrown it at that thing and it wouldn't have gone clunk. You know, six months down the line, you know, Alan is involved with a, a local UFO group. They hire two professional psychiatrists and they put Alan under regressive hypnosis and they videotape it. And under this hypnosis, Alan described the rest of his encounter. So he didn't fire on it because, you know, like I said, our, our, our police aren't armed. But he did say, you know, had he had, he had something in his hand, he, he could have thrown it at you and he, he convinced it would have gone clunk. Um, Alan, unfortunately, has been ill in this last couple of years, but he did, with assistance of, of Jenny Randalls, who mentioned her earlier on, uh, write his own book. A couple of years back, and I believe Alan has recently signed a, a deal to make it into a movie. I hope that becomes a, a reality for him. I've been—I I did a, a, an interview with the uh, the film director, who's, who's got the rights to the book, and it's an interesting case. It's not in UFO Landings UK. It's, it's featured in one of my previous books that I called Without Consent, but it's the only time I, I can say something similar to, to what Mr. Warren was saying back in, in the war. It just reminded me, when I was talking about it, I thought, well, Mr. Warren kind of reminds me about Alan. If he'd have had something in the head, he could have he thrown it at this thing. Because he was a no-nonsense no police officer, was Alan. Yeah, I'm sure if he'd have had something, that's exactly what he would have done. But he didn't carry a brick around in his patrol car, <laughs> you know. So that's the news that comes, guys. Now, in the UK, don't know if it's still the case in the UK. Even if you want weapons now, you have to have a special authority to get it? Yeah, I mean, we, you're not allowed handguns under any circumstances. They are, they are banned completely. And you are allowed a shotgun, 
for some hunting purposes and recreational use, like clay pigeon shooting, etc. And that is it. And it's it's very difficult. To, you've got a long and lengthy procedure to go through to get a a license for for any type of firearm. But handguns, you just can't get them. They're banned, uh, and and in, in our opinion, rightfully so. What I was referring to there is the police. They don't normally come with weapons, police, but they have our to. Police, our our yeah. police do not carry guns. Uh, we have each force, because they're all split up into different districts, each force will have a firearms unit who they can call upon, uh, if need be, uh, and who will do activities on a, a regular basis. But they are not out on foot patrol. You will see them at airports and things like that, but they're not on the streets in the patrol cars, you know, if, if you if you dial 999 tonight, you know, unless you say there's there's somebody with a gun, it will just be the police that come. And they, they're not armed in any way. You know, they have pepper spray. Some of them have the stun thing. They have a stab vest and a baton, and that's it. And I know this because my daughter has just um, finished working for the police force. She was a uh, CSI, and um, her partner, he's in the firearms unit. He was... Uh, a police constable, but has uh, spent six months of training and now has joined the firearms unit. So, you know, but no, our, our patrol officers do not do not carry weapons. By the way, if you want to watch how the procedures in the UK differ from the US, there is a streaming service called BritBox that mm-hmm. has a lot of British police procedurals. And you'll see, for example, their version of the Miranda warning is very similar to ours in the U.S. But the weapons, as Philip says, a special unit has to come out if they need weapons for a particular case. Let's get back to flying saucers, okay? Now, of these landings you cover, any involve crashes and retrievals? No, no, I, I, you know, they're few and far between, if, if, if any, that, you, that is reliable here in the UK. There's maybe one, um, but um, none at all in, in this book. Um, there's some people claim that one happened in Wales, but it's, there's, there's not a great deal of, of data. And even if, if there had been, um, I, would have, I would have left it out. This is not about crashes or retrievals, you know, there's... It's just the high strangeness, the up close and personal, the landings, the beings, you know, marks left on the ground, etc. That that's what I've focused on. Do we see any consistency about entities are being seen in connection with these landings? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I mean, Britain in in general is a multicultural country. Always has been. I mean, the, the first. The first residents of these islands many, many <laughs> eons ago were, were Germanic in origin. So from across Europe, um, there was no Germany then, of course. There was no, no countries, no borders. Uh, and then, of course, we had the Romans here for several hundred years, and they brought their legionnaires from around Europe. And then we had the Vikings from Scandinavia. They settled here. Uh, in fact, where I live, Yorkshire, our capital city is York, and that it comes from the Viking word Jorvik. So the Vikings were in York. And then, of course, you know, we had the Normans from Normandy, not from France. It was it was a, 
and they didn't go home either. So we've got, you know, and then we've expanded the empire and all this lot. So we've Britain is a multicultural country and always has been. Um, and it, it, you know, same with the, the the beings reported in these landings are, you know, very different. Very. I'll give you one example. Um, it's a place in Wales. Let's leave Wales for just a couple of minutes and then return with Tim and Gene and Philip. You're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Are you ready to retire? Inflation is picking up, markets are volatile, and the dream of a comfortable retirement is harder to attain than ever before. The stock market goes up and down is beyond your control. But you're at a point in your life where you can't afford to make big financial mistakes. I'm Al Iberoa, founder of Knight Strategic Wealth. Our investment strategy allows you to go up with the stock market, lock in your gains, and when the stock market goes down, your investment won't lose a dime. This works for your investments, savings at a brokerage firm, or even money at a bank. It's simple, it's safe, and that's why savvy investors work with us. Want to learn more? Text FREE to 833-898-0500, and we'll send our retirement readiness kit directly to your phone right now. If you want to help build a retirement portfolio that will go up with the market and literally never lose money, get our retirement readiness kit today and see how this strategy can help secure your future. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. Are you curious about what might be missing from your diet and supplement choices? Take a free health assessment to identify your possible nutrient deficiencies. As a certified holistic health coach, I will help you assess and prioritize a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL-90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL-90. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial. 
trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We return to Wales, home of Christian Bale. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. Now, a lot of other actors who play Americans... <laughs> In various roles. Philip Mantle, tell us more. What happened in well, Wales? Uh, it was a, a place called Mackielenth. I probably pronounced it entirely wrong, but it was July the 22nd, 1975. Now, a young man, we'll just call him Trevor, with his father, went to the beach. Behind the beach were some rocks, and they led up into the hills. So, like a lot of youngsters, you know, Dad, can I, can I go up the rocks? Yeah, so his father's on the beach. Trevor climbs up these rocks. Well, on the top of them is a circular object on the ground. It's got lights around it. It's got a dome. And Trevor reported seeing these two figures inside this dome. These figures were almost like molten jelly. So there was an outline, and inside the outline, it was all squirming and squiggling. It frightened Trevor. He ran down the beach to his father. He said, Dad, Dad. You know, there's a thing up here. And off he went again. He ran back up the rocks and his, his father thought, what's he talking about? And he could see him. He could, he could see him and he could see Trevor. He kept bobbing up and down behind a rock. He was hiding. This thing at one point, it looked like the, the dome was opening. It's that scared that Trevor, so he hid. And when he looked back, this thing had gone. But I've not come across a description like that anywhere, you know, anywhere else in the world, these, these outlines of these figures whose internal structure was like molten jelly, or, 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 you know, just all squirming and wriggling. It was a well-known incident at, at, uh, at one point in the UK. I think it was featured in the Flying Saucer Review, which was a magazine that ran for, for decades here in the UK, no, no longer in publication. And that's just indicative of some of the differences that we have with the figures or the beings or whatever you want to call them that are reported. You know, we, we mentioned um, Mrs. Rosenberg. She saw the what some people call the Nordics, the blue-eyed, blonde-haired, almost human-looking things. Not too different from what Travis Walton saw. But here we have down in Wales these very bizarre creatures. And it is bizarre. I, I'd be the first to admit that. However, like I said previously, I'll put it in the book and allow the readers to judge themselves about this particular case so they're they're completely weird and wonderful gents they really are and that, that's just one example well that's one of the uh the things about a lot of these cases in the united states 
it seems like the uh, uh, UFO occupants have been homogenized to the big-eyed greys. In your book, it's just a plethora (laughs) of all kinds of of different humanoid, with with a few exceptions, but generally always humanoid uh, cases, not as many of the big-eyed little greys. Absolutely. You know, in fact, you know, I'm not sure there's any of the little grey guys in here anywhere. When I talked about Police Constable Alan Godfrey and um, his hypnosis, I've, I've seen the hypnosis video, the recording of it. And Alan, at first, uh, reports a being that you would describe as completely human. It's a small gentleman wearing a robe with a white beard and wearing a little, a little skull cap was even called Joseph, or Joseph. And then Alan sees these other creatures um, that he described looked like a, uh, out of head, like a, like a light bulb shape. And he kind of recoiled it, you know, he didn't like the look of them. And what's curious about Alan's case, it, it, it shows you how some researchers, either on purpose or, or not, omit things. Now, during Alan's hypnosis, he also said, there's a black dog. So Alan's talking about being inside the UFO, seeing these human-like beings and these things with like a light bulb-shaped head, and a dog, a black dog. We know that through folklore and mythology, that that is, you know, the Hound of the Baskervilles was a black dog, you know? Also, it's also... Uses a phrase, or used to be, not, probably not so much now. For example, our, our wartime leader, Sir Winston Churchill, used to suffer from depression, and he called it the black dog. So he never, he never called it depression. He said it was the black dog. So, you know, it didn't surprise me when I'm compiling this book that I would get some weird and wonderful descriptions of the alleged occupants of these things, and, and, and that's exactly right. They, they are indeed. Well, it uh, um, it makes you it makes you wonder about, I suppose the I don't know societal differences when it comes to the interpretation, uh, personal interpretations of UFO sightings because you have um, occupant sightings a lot of times in say like South America, where uh, uh, a, a lot of times the encounters tend to end up being violent. Uh, but you know you don't you don't see that as much in in other locations now you know now I know that your book is uh, deals specifically with uh, uh, with sightings in the UK but from you know your your other research I mean you know have have you found that to be the case that there there does seem to be uh, uh, differences at least in the way that these uh, encounters are reported uh, depending where you are on the planet. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've long suggested that there's a, a cultural influence on these um, sightings, uh, encounters, whatever you would like to call them. Uh, like you said, in the United States, the occupants have been pretty much now boiled down into uh, the little grey guys with the big eyes. But of course, if you go back to the first abduction case to hit the headlines, which was Betty and Barney Hill, um, they didn't see the little grey guys. They were pretty much human-looking. I mean, I don't think... I, I never met Betty, but I corresponded with her. 
you know, she called them the UFO guys. And and she sent me some uh, photographs of some paintings she'd had done. And they even wore a uniform and a cap. Um, she, the uniform, uh, however unpleasant it may sound, but she said it reminded her of the Nazis. Not not what they did, but the, the, the grey uniforms that they used to wear. Now that's been kind of wiped from UFO history, but it, it is nonetheless a fact. Um, if you go back to, say, Voronezh in, in Russia in the late 1980s, the so-called aliens were seven foot tall, which is indicative of what the Russians like to come show themselves. As you know, the, the, the Russian bear, um, big, strong, powerful. Uh, here in the UK, we are, we are a multicultural island, or set of islands. And is that not reflected in these encounters or the way that at least they are perceived and reported. Um, and, and so, yes, that, uh, you know, there, there is a, a cultural influence of how these um, encounters are perceived and or reported. Of that, of that there's no doubt, because we, we, we tend to be sort of focused on, on our backyard, don't we? We go along with being focused on the backyard, except I do not have a backyard. So there. <laughs> We have Tim and Jean and Philip. You're in <laughs> the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Colonel Stephen McCraw with the Texas Department of Public Safety says officers made key errors when responding to the elementary school shooting that killed 19 students and two teachers. It happened days after Texas Governor Greg Abbott praised how officers handled the shooting. Now Abbott says the information he was provided with at a news conference earlier this week was a recitation of what law enforcement officers told him beforehand. As everybody has learned... The information that I was given turned out, in part, to be inaccurate. And I'm absolutely livid about that. At the NRA convention in Houston, former President Trump Friday argued for solutions other than gun control. What we need now is a top-to-bottom security overhaul at schools all across our country. Senator Ted Cruz echoed the sentiment. This is USA Radio News. 
The U.S. Forest Service says it was responsible for what became the largest fire in New Mexico history. The agency says investigators determined the Calf Canyon fire was started by a holdover or sleeper fire from a federal pile burn that concluded near the end of January. Though crews monitored the fire for a couple of days following the conclusion of the burn, the Forest Service says it remained dormant and survived three winter snow events before reigniting escaped containment lines in April and was significantly spread by a wind event. The Calf Canyon fire then merged with the Hermit's Peak fire, which was also started by an escaped federal prescribed burn. Federal jurors in Washington will deliberate the fate of lawyer Michael Sussman on Tuesday. He's accused of lying to the FBI about whether he was working on behalf of a client with Democratic ties when he brought the Bureau allegations about questionable links between a Russian bank and former President Trump's company before the 2016 campaign hoping to deliver an October surprise that would have handed the election to Hillary Clinton. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, speaking of Barney and Betty Hill, I met Betty Hill many, many, many years ago. She seemed like a nice woman, had a pleasant conversation with her. But we're going to feature her niece, Kathy Martin, on Mm -hmm. the Paracast Sometime, Tim, late June, right? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Sorry, I had my mic muted there and forgot. <laughs> okay, well, some people want me to mute my mic <laughs> forever. But I'd rather we talk about this. It's very important to mention this, that the being seen in connection with UFO landings differ from country to country, which would mean certainly that ET is not just sending this race to Norway, this race to Africa, this race to Brooklyn, New York. Obviously, there has to be some kind of subjective influence, Philip. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I mean, again, if you look at the UFO phenomena in general, we'll start with Kenneth Arnold. And, of course, Kenneth Arnold, when reporting his sighting to the journalists, was asked, how did these objects move through the sky? Kenneth said, like skipping a saucer on a pond. And flying saucers were, were born. But, of course, they, they weren't saucer-shaped. They, they were kind of delta or boomerang, if, if we want to have a better word. I often wondered, if, why did he say saucer? I don't know anybody who was wealthy enough to go out on a pond and skip saucers across it. Stones, 
I think many of us will have done that as youngsters, either, you know, down by the river or on the beach, get a nice flat sud stone, see how many times you can make it bounce. But this is a question, generalised question. Had Kenneth Arnold said, like a stone skipping across a pond, flying stones doesn't have the same ring as flying saucers, does it? Well, would we have had flying saucers? Would we have had a UFO phenomena? Had he said a stone? I don't. It's just a question. Uh, but if you look at the phenomena, as we go down the decades, we can see that it has evolved. That's why someone said, where have all the Space Brothers gone? Because in the 1950s, you know, the contactees were saying that there's bases on the dark side of the moon. Of course, we know there's, there's nothing on the dark side of the moon. Oh, well, okay, they come from Venus. Well, Venus is a very inhospitable place, and there is no, no, no life forms like us on Venus. And as I was our... our our scientific knowledge expanded. The aliens seem to get further away. You know, oh, like with Betty Hill, them Zeta Reticuli. Well, we can't go there. And of course, the characteristics, if you think from sort of the 1980s, mid-1980s onwards, we had a, a whole raft of triangles reported. They were first reported by in upstate New York, Westchester County, then across the north of England, and then Belgium. So we, got a, we still get a lot of triangle sightings. Where have the flying saucers gone? So the, the phenomenon itself has evolved, or our perception of it has evolved down the years. And, and that is just a fact. Anybody who can, can look at that and can see what I'm talking about. Of course, now, all anyone's talking about is the Navy videos and Tic Tacs. And I wonder how long that will be in vogue for. I would say the way things are going going to be around for quite a while that's another addition to the evolution of the ufo phenomena whether we like it or not it, it just is and we'll see where it leads or we'll see where they want us to think it leads <laughs> yes you brought up the uh the triangles when when people seem to be predominantly seeing uh, the uh, flying discs you know, the discs were landing all over the place, but uh, I can't think of many accounts of uh, people seeing the triangles landing. Yeah, good good question. In fact, there are two in my new book. Uh, I mentioned a gentleman earlier on called Philip Shepherdson. I can't remember the I'm very poor with dates, but it was the late 70s. Philip had bought a brand new scooter and he was taking it for a drive. He, he lived near, near York in North Yorkshire. And he came around this bend, and there is this object in the field. And it is triangular in shape, although it has a little cockpit, for want of a better word, with two humanoids in it. But it was triangular, and it's on the ground. Uh, and there's another little one that's just a little case where some people claim to have seen it on the ground. So I, I, I put more emphasis on Philip's en encounter simply because I had the, the opportunity to speak to him. And um, like I said, he he did his own drawing of it, and uh, it happened in February 1979 at a place called Easingwald, which is not far from York. Uh, and I met Philip, and uh, you know, and discussed it at length. It, it first appeared in a local newspaper. That's where I got the information from, and I managed to track Philip down on social media. But you have this, you know, triangular shape with a little dome on the back, and these two dark humanoid beings we might say a head covering or a helmet on and um it was fascinating i i actually sent a copy of the book to david marler 
in Albuquerque because David had, has uh, written a book about the triangular sighting. So I sent it precisely, you know, to, to point those that case out to him. Um, but like you say, you don't seem to see many of the triangles on the ground. Why is that? Somebody asked me just the other day, actually, you've got all these encounters written in your new book, Philip. When was the last time you actually had the opportunity to go and investigate something like this? And, it's, and I've got to say, it's, it's, it's quite a while ago. It could mean, of course, that, you know, I'm just off the radar. I'm just some old boy sat in his office in Pontefract and, and it, it's not being reported. Or it's been reported and not published. Uh, so there could be a whole host of reasons, but it's it's a good question and one that I don't have an answer for. But as I know with this f subject of this phenomena, there could be a knock on the door or an email drops in my, my box tomorrow and, hey, presto, away we go. I'll give you an example, although it's not a recent event and it's not in the book. The book was written uh, and in limbo. Last year I did some uh, television here in the UK and a local gentleman uh, emailed me. Uh, and when COVID restrictions allowed, he, he came to see me. So I've got something I want to show you. And this was uh, a set of memoirs self-written by his wife's grandfather. And this whole area where I live, gentlemen, at one point used to be all coal mines. Uh, my father worked down the mines all his life. This gentleman who'd written his memoirs, uh, and these are not war and peace. This is not some huge great tome. It's just a thin volume. Um, was a mining engineer. So the, the memoir is split into two. One is his life growing up. The second is about his time as a mining engineer. This, this chap said to me, the, the bit about mining engineering is re really boring. Don't, don't read it. Now, when this chap was a youngster, we're going back to 1911, uh, he lived up near Manchester, which is about 40 miles or so from here. And him and his friend went out to play one day. They were going off to the local park. And he said, on, en route, they encountered this, this cigar-shaped thing on the ground. They approached it. A door opened. These humanoid beings uh, addressed them. They looked, he said, you know, Asian or Oriental because of the way they dressed. They had colourful clothing on, even a small turban. They went inside. They conversed. They were shown around this thing. And then off they went. And this was 1911. And... When this gentleman wrote his memoirs, this is the biggest chapter in any of them, and it's simply called The Encounter. And he wrote this on the run into him uh, passing away, and he printed out, uh, you know, a handful of copies just for his family, and none of them had a clue about this. So this had been lying dormant, you know, for decades in this gentleman's head uh, until he put it down on paper. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting nowadays with print on demand, anybody can write a book and get copies printed and sold on one of the major resellers, like, for example, Create Space, which is for mm -hmm. Amazon. We've got more to come with Philip and Gene and Tim. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Here's a question for you. Why is it that some people aren't as stressed out about the future as you'd think they'd be? Answer? They're probably among the millions of Americans who have prepared themselves with emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. If the worst ever happens, literally millions of American families are already protected from dealing with empty store shelves. Is yours? If not, go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now and grab some emergency food kits. At least one for each member of your family. These kits give you a wide variety of delicious meals that average over 2,000 calories per day. Everything stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. Order your kits now by going to MyPatriotSupply.com. Your order will ship fast and arrive discreetly in unmarked boxes. Listen, this is something you need to jump on now, before the next news headline stuns the world. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com, MyPatriotSupply.com. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare, our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-932-5140. 800-932-5140. 
800-932-5140. That's 800-932-5140. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Indeed, this is one of the more fascinating episodes, talking about strange UFO encounters across the UK. You mentioned, Philip Mantle, early on that there was what, one or two UFO crashes of note in the UK? Which one or ones are they? There's one in, in Wales. Again, it's very controversial. And it's one that's, you know, being dug up. Every, you know, it raises to the, to the surface every now and again. There was, there was indeed a, an object that hit the mountain one night, one of the mountains in North Wales. I can't remember the name of the place. The locals felt it, you know, windows rattled. And they claimed that, you know, they saw military activity. Which again, it's not uncommon in North Wales because the military do train there. But a, a local lady who was a nurse, there were some lights spotted on the hills. She thought it had been an aircraft that had crashed. And she went to give her assistance in case first aid was needed. And um, she saw this strange thing on, on the hill that night, uh, as did some of the locals fr- from a distance. But she was up close and personal to it. So a conspiracy theory is, sorry, it was the Berwyn Mountains. I want to, that was the name of it, the Berwyn Mountains. So a little conspiracy theory grew up around it. The, 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 lady, the nurse eventually moved overseas. She, she retired and went to live overseas somewhere. And people claimed that the lights she saw were a poacher's lamp, that it was the military, or it was, indeed, a UFO that had crashed. Something did, you know, cause seismic activity that night on the mountains the official explanation was that it was a meteorite that had impacted and and, and registered you know not point whatever on the richter scale no, nothing to do any damage no meteorite was found by the way so it's it's the only thing the only sort of crash in inverted commas that springs to mind with any substance you know the Berwyn mountains case is as is sleeping at the moment. It's not mentioned anywhere. Perhaps because it was not a tic tac. <laughs> I don't know, but it, I'm pretty sure it, it will surface again at some point. Uh, maybe some new information will come to light, or somebody else will take a look at all the data that's being gathered and take a fresh look at it. It's the only one that I'm aware of. There's been a little documentary made about it, and you know the locals were interviewed, and, and there was definitely something did happen that night. Whether it was anything to do with the UFO phenomenon remains uh, open to speculation, shall we say. I think one of the cases that uh, that you have in my in your book, uh, one of my favorites, and uh, and I'm happy to see that it uh, it still has legs, so to speak, was uh, uh, the Robert Taylor case in uh, on yeah. Scotland in 1979. Yeah, in November 1979, at a place called Livingston. Uh, in Scotland, if anybody wants to know where that is, it's kind of in the middle between Edinburgh on one side and Glasgow on the other. Livingston lies kind of in the middle. Uh, Mr. Taylor was a forestry worker. He set off for work that morning, as usual, heading to a place nearby 
which was called Deckmont Woods. So he gets in his truck, has his dog with him. That's it. Just him and his dog. Off he goes. Round about 10 o'clock in the morning, he, he parks the truck. It's a damp November day. He's walking down the dirt track through the forest. He comes across a, a small clearing. And there in the clearing is a dome-shaped object. Mr. Taylor described as having a flange, just like a band around the bottom of it. With these little things sticking up, and on the end of them looked like propellers, although they weren't spinning, just like the old-fashioned propeller-shaped. As he's standing there looking at this thing, these two balls, either from behind it or from underneath it, rolled towards him. They had spikes sticking out of them. Uh, Mr. Taylor described them as looking like the, 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 the mines that they used at sea during the Second World War, although not as big as that. These were black. And it, because the ground was, was damp, he could hear them plotting, plopping, as they rolled across the ground towards him. So in the mud. And they came up by the side of him, and he could feel them tug on his, his trousers, sort of, you know, in the middle of his thighs. And that was it. He passed out. When he came to, there was a strong smell of sulfur. There was like a, a whistling noise. His dog was chasing its tail, literally. And this thing had gone. So Mr. Taylor, you know, staggered to his feet, tried to drive his truck, but couldn't. And he walked back down home. He, well, I say walked, he staggered. And his wife was still there, and he's, he's disheveled and... She says, what on earth happened to you? And he says, I've been attacked. So she phoned the police. And the police came. Uh, Mr. Taylor was taken to hospital, but he got fed up of waiting. And, you know, he felt okay, so he came home. And the police went back to the location where, where, where this incident had occurred. And just in that clearing and nowhere else, there were tracks. There were two tracks that looked like caterpillar tracks. And then there are these U-shaped indentations in the grass. And luckily for them, the police, it, it was cold that night, so the ground froze. So they were able to tape the area off and photograph these marks. And the photographs are in the book. And because Mr. Taylor was an upstanding member of the community, they took it seriously. Now, Mr. Taylor's heavy-duty trousers that he'd been wearing that day, where these things had tugged on him, were ripped. And they were heavy duty, and they were ripped right the way through. They even had a lining on them. So the police uh, in Livingston conducted a full forensic examination and couldn't find out what had ripped these uh, trousers, but it was consistent with them being tugged and pulled upwards, which is exactly what Mr. Taylor said. And, um, and, and they believe Mr. Taylor. They don't know what happened to him, and... And again, uh, some years after the event, I went with my um, my colleague Malcolm Robinson. Malcolm's uh, from Scotland. Malcolm was on site, I think, either the next day or the day after when this incident happened. And w we went back. And Mr. Taylor had retired by the time I, I interviewed him, and we sat in his house. And, and Malcolm and I went to the location. And, it, you know, there's nothing there. And in the clearing where this incident happened, the, the, the local council had um, concreted a picnic bench. So I said, I just said to Malcolm, why don't you get a little brass plaque made and screw it to this bench? Malcolm, you know, um, to his credit, 
uh, took the idea up with the local council and they didn't end up with a little brass plaque. They ended up with a huge rock, a huge cairn with a big plaque in the middle of it commemorating the incident. And now there's even some signage in in the in the area telling you about the incident and show, pointing to where it happened, uh, and that's all down to Malcolm, not 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 me. But a, f- a fascinating case, and it's the only it's the only UFO case in the UK where the police have conducted a full forensic investigation. And as part of the the documentation of that, also featured in the book, I have the whole report, but. You know, I've just I've just put a, one of the main pages in the book so you can see it for yourself. And he was a very down to earth gentleman. Um, he's appeared in the newspapers uh, and there was a, a well-known documentary series here called Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. Uh, and he appeared on that and um, a fascinating account. And it's, it's probably the most well-known account of its kind that is in is in the book. Uh, and I wanted to use it simply because I'd met Mr. Taylor myself. There's a, uh, even a photograph of me and Mr. Taylor and another colleague called Dave Kelly with him. Um, but, you know, but another, you know, I mentioned about Alan Godfrey and people not mentioning the black dog. There's a, there's a thing with this case that has been forgotten, either on purpose or not. But when Mr. Taylor first saw this thing, this dome-shaped object, he said part of it was transparent, the dome. However, the transparency moved. So it wasn't the same section of the dome that was transparent all the time. This transparency moved. I don't know what that's saying. I don't know if it's, you know, important or relevant or not. All I'm saying is it's, it's a little part of the puzzle that tends to get missed, like Alan Godfrey's black dog. I don't want to just make a joke of this because it's a really serious case. But those of us who are fans of Star Trek would think the cloaking device was defective. Well, there you go. But unless unless I told you that, you wouldn't have been able to say that, would you? You wouldn't have known. The book UFO Landings UK. He'll also join us for the After the Powercast podcast for Powercast Plus listeners. More to come with Philip and Tim and Gene, I'm setting myself last this time. You're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. Have you been diagnosed with cancer? Are you one of the millions who have taken Zantac or other generic versions of this popular drug to help treat stomach issues? Then pay close attention to this message. The FDA said it detected low levels of a probable cancer-causing chemical known as NDMA in Zantac and other generic forms of this popular drug. They've banned sales and even removed it from the market. If you've been diagnosed with cancer and you've taken Zantac or a generic equivalent, call the legal helpline now. You could receive a free cash award and have your medical expenses covered. And there's no upfront cost to you. They only get paid if you win. So please call now. 800 998 7173. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Philip Mantle, the book UFO Landings UK. Lots of fascinating cases, but what impresses me or makes me wonder, Philip, is the lack of consistency among mm. entities and craft and descriptions. Yes. Yes, I mean, I mean it, is, it is a complete mixture of all things weird and wonderful. There's even a, what we would call today, um, a cryptid sighting in one of these encounters. And um, it's a bat-winged creature. And aching to the Mothman has reported him, reported him Point Pleasant. However, this happened three years before the sightings at, at, at Point Pleasant. So it predates any of the Mothman sightings in the, in the States by three years. So he couldn't have picked it up from that. Uh, and it, it's bizarre. It is, it is completely bizarre. But nonetheless, it's in the book. Make up your own minds about it. But like you said, there is a complete lack of consistency. All things weird and wonderful have been reported. And I'm not bragging, but I think it's just one of the things that makes this a, a unique publication. And one you should have in your library. And if you haven't got it, shame on you. <laughs> We've got a question from uh, one of our listeners. This is from uh, uh, Richard Hawkins. And Richard wants to know uh, a story in your book. And, and he said he thinks it was from the 1960s about a man who was walking home and seen this strange glow, which he thought was a car. And it turned out to be a strange beam. I was trying to uh, locate this story uh, during our conversation, Phil. I haven't been able to find it yet, so maybe you recognize the description. It might be Mr. Warren, but although that goes back to the 1940s, because he saw this strange green glow up ahead of him. Uh, and it, it certainly wasn't any car, but, um, you know, that's that's the only thing that's, that, that uh, I can think of, uh, because it was literally by the side of the road, and it was pitch dark, Obviously, it's wartime, so it's, it's, not, it's not illuminated, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, and it may be that one. It may mm. be that. Uh, that's the only one that springs to mind. Well, I, I should point out also the, uh, the, the entity seen in this. He said it had a, like a, a strange fixed grin on his face, mm. which is very reminiscent <clears throat> of grinning man uh, sightings in the United States in like uh, uh, New Jersey and uh, West Virginia, especially in the uh, late 1960s. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But like I say, this is, you know, 20 years before that. And I'm not just saying it, but I felt privileged to, to be able to, to speak to these people in person, you know, sitting in their front rooms talking about them. And you can see that, that look on their face, a far away look, in, you know, they're reliving it in their mind's eye. And um, I, like I said, Ms. Mr. Warren only, only contacted me because I was in the local newspaper. And um, wherever I could, um, I mean, there's, 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 there's an abduction account in it, and it's, it's a lady by Linda Jones and her children. And she lived at Didsbury near Manchester. I won't go into all the story, but it's, it's one of these things that's always stuck with me. I've met Linda several times and I've spoken to her about it. And I asked Linda how this experience to her felt. What was it like? And it's in the book. It's a direct quote, and she said it was biblical. Uh, and that just, when she told me that, that, that was me, stop asking silly questions, you know. And, and her full account is in there. And it'll give you some idea of, you know, the, the impression that uh, is left behind on these individuals, like Linda. And um, um, she was just out picking wildflowers in some fields behind her house. And, and about the only thing that you can say about in connections with any of this lot is that these people, just like me and you, you know, this could be the gentleman who, who works in your grocery store or he's a colleague at work or he's your milkman or whatever. They're just ordinary individuals going about their everyday life when these things happen. And they're left as bewildered as the rest of us. That's the only thing that's that any of them have in common, in my, again, in my opinion. There's another case that uh, is uh, really fascinating, and I've d discussed this one before. Um, and this took place on the Isle of Wight in 1973, mm -hmm. and it's it's titled Mr. Wise's Daughter and Friend. Now, this this is a really bizarre case. I mean, and that's saying a lot, considering some of the other ones that you have in your book. Well, yes, this was about the the only case I, I I pondered on because it is so bizarre, and um, you know the Isle of Wight is off the south coast of the UK. It's a lovely place. I've been there. I've been to Sandown as well. Uh, uh, it's primarily known for its um, you know uh, naval um, yachting. There's big yacht clubs there, and it's again it's 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 some children. It's two of them here, this strange noise. It's almost like the Pied Piper. They feel compelled to chase this noise, which they do. And I'm, I'm cutting a long story short. And they come across this, well, this, this humanoid creature. And I don't know if you have them in the, in the United States. We used to have, as, as kids, little pictures that you could make out of felt. So you'd have a you'd have a base and you'd have these shapes that were all made out of felt and they would just stick onto this this base and you make little pictures out of them. This is what it reminded me of, but it communicates with them via a microphone. And we've got the front page of the Beaufort Journal uh, in the 1970s that that covered it. And this creature lived in a hut. And there's a, you know there's a drawing of the hut. And these these two. Two, two youngsters went into this hut and it was it, it is 
It is probably, it's, it's not one of the most detailed and one of the, the lengthiest cases in the book. But when it comes to the description of the of the beings involved, it is probably one of the the most bizarre. And I, I, I you know, I scratched my head. Uh, I think it was originally uh, investigated by um, Norman Oliver, uh, a long-standing member of Beaufort. Sadly, Norman passed away just recently, uh, and we send our regards to his family. Um, I think he, he, it was also covered in the Flying Source Review. I think we mentioned that magazine earlier on. And also later in the Beaufort Journal. And it is, is an, a, a mind-bogglingly strange case. But again, I thought, no, I'm going to put it in the book. Because it, when we talk about high strangeness, I mean, it's got it in, it's got it in, 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 in bucket loads, has it not? And uh, I think it deserves to be in there. And allow our readers or my readers, whatever you want to call them, to have a look at it and see if it makes any sense to them. And if they want to rule it out, they can do it. It's their prerogative. Uh, but, but it is a strange case. It really is. It's one of these cases that you'd love to be able to uh, track the two kids down who had the experience now that they're adults and see if see if the story remains the same or if they're like, yeah, we made it up. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting you say that because I, I, I mentioned right at the beginning, you know, that one of the first cases I ever investigated of a landing was a town just nearby, a place called Normanton. And back in the summer of 1980, it was, it was a, a coal mining town like most of them were in this area. And I got a phone call from a lady and she said, Philip, you won't believe me, you won't believe me, you won't believe me. Anyway, myself and my colleague Mark Birdsell went to interview this lady. She's called Mrs. Westerman. She lived in a terrace house in a cul-de-sac and there was no houses opposite her. And it was an elevated house, so you went up six or seven steps to get in the front door. Lovely summer's day. She had five children who were all outside playing, playing a ball game. The ball went up in the air. And they saw this thing descend at an angle, stop, and then land in a field at the bottom of the cul-de-sac. Let's so do a break here at the point where they're having fun or not so much fun with a ball game. The book is UFO Landings UK. The publisher is Flying Disc Press, of which the chief cook and bottle washer is Philip Mantle. And the author of that book, I'm Gene Steinberg. He's Tim Swartz. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard and Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com immediately. We're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Extendivite really works. Here's just a few testimonials from Amazon. Patricia, excellent herbal formula. I use Extendivite to keep my cardiovascular system fine-tuned. Brian, I'm using Extendivite, and for me, it has made a world of difference. God made all these nutrients in the ground. Enough said. Cami, five stars. I feel a lot of energy since I started taking Extendivite. TR, five stars. All I can say is, Extendivite works. Buy it, try it, and see for yourself. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life Ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to give you a URL that can and will change your life. You will simply investigate it and look into it for your own self. Do your own research. This is an absolute 360 win for GCN, for American Tax Solutions, and for you. Ladies and gentlemen, these are top tax lawyers that will deliver you super service very, very quickly and change your life. The average person can save up to 90% on their taxes. Visit GCNTaxCut.com. That's GCNTaxCut.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, Philip, tell us more about what happened over there. So, Mrs. Westerman is, is in the kitchen. She's literally washing the dishes after lunch. And one of the children ran in and said, Mom, Mom, there's an airplane crashed in the field. So she come out, she stands at the door, and because it's an elevated house, she could see across these fields. She says, Philip, it, it wasn't an airplane, it was there was something on the ground shaped like a Mexican hat. And it was like a grey colour. So she got the children, they walked down through the bottom of the cul-de-sac, there's some trees, 
there was a little stream. At that point, you lose sight of this field because it's up on a hill. Come up the other side, and the field was bordered by a fence. And this thing was still there, but now there's three humanoids, all dressed in white, you know, white boiler suits. They had a visor over their face. They were so close that they could see that they didn't wear gloves. They actually had mittens on. And they were waving something across the ground. One of Mrs. Westerman's children tried to climb the fence, but she, she held him back. At this point, these three beings walked to the rear of this thing. It rose up into the air, stopped, and then was gone, you know, at an angle into a clear blue sky. Now, Mrs. Westerman thought, this is, you know, where she lived was a busy little town. It's not a big place. The main motorway in this, this area is called the M62. It runs right past Normanton. Thousands of cars per hour. And like I say, it's a beautiful day. She thought, I'll sit down tonight. It'll be on the local TV news. Nothing. So she went and bought the local newspaper that came out a few days later. It'll be in there. Not a thing. She even asked some of her neighbours if they'd seen anything. They just give her a funny look. So that puzzled her as much as anything. Myself and Mark Burst, like I said, we interviewed Mrs. Westerman and the children. They didn't call it a spaceship or a flying saucer, just this thing. We even interviewed one of the children's friends. He'd gone home for his lunch and come back and he'd missed it all. And he wasn't, he was a bit miffed. He wasn't happy that he missed it. And so, you know, we, we did the usual checks. We used to have a helicopter port not that far away. It's gone now, but it wasn't a helicopter. So you're left with that conclusion, you know, that either lying or telling the truth. I couldn't find any reason why they would want to lie, weren't allowed to use Mrs. Westerman's name, weren't allowed to take a photograph. But what's curious is a couple of years back, again, just, just as lockdown was, was had started, I'd done an interview with somebody and I talked about this incident, but I forgot to use the lady's name. And then a couple of weeks later, I got an email from a lady in New Zealand. And she said, I listened to you on whatever podcast it was. And she says, I, I've immigrated from England. I used to live in, in Normanton. What was the, the lady's name? So I said, it's Mrs. Westerman. And she says, my best friend when I lived there was called Westerman. I'll ask her if she knows anything about it. So she contacted her friend who now had a different name because she, she'd grown up and got married. And her friend was indeed one of those children I interviewed all those years ago, one of Mrs. Westerman's children. So I contacted her and she told me in no uncertain terms, straight to the point, we saw this, this and this and this and this. And, you know, that's all these years later. Unfortunately, we've, we've not been able to, to meet face to face, but um, I've no reason to doubt the lady. She's now grown up as her own family and perhaps doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want her husband to know, or her friends or neighbours or her own children. There could be a, a wide variety of reasons why she, why she didn't want to talk face to face. But, you know, it shows you how the technology helped um, locate one of those witnesses from way back when. And that reminded me what we were saying about the... the uh, the youngsters on the Isle of Wight. It would be, it'd be amazing to track them down and, um, and find out what they have to say today. And stranger things have happened. Who knows? Speaking of children, there's a, a new film out called, uh, documentary out called Ariel, and it deals with the uh, uh, Zimbabwe uh, 
UFO landing outside of a uh, schoolhouse witnessed by uh, uh, numerous uh, children. You've got a case in your book that happened uh, uh, really a couple, you know, a couple of uh, decades earlier in 1977 in uh, Wales. They're very reminiscent of the Zimbabwe case. Absolutely. I mean, it's a different, you know, different location in Italy. It's a place called Broadhaven in Wales. This this made the headlines. Um, Details were also sent to the Ministry of Defence, and it was a group, I believe, of 14 children at Broadhaven School. Uh, they, they were playing out at break time when they saw this thing, this conical-shaped thing, um, land. It's there. It's close. And I think there was around about six of these children also reported seeing these small humanoid beings. The most important thing to them about these beings, they had strange ears. That's just, that's just one thing that stood out. And fortunately, the children all did drawings of it. And um, they've been kept. And we have some of those drawings, you know, the original drawings in the book. And like you said, the, the aerial school encounter in Zimbabwe um, has, has just been released in documentary format, it's getting rave reviews on my ad. It's, it's on my list of things to watch. But the Broadhaven thing, you know, happened in, in 1977. Um, so it's it's not unusual for, you know, schoolyard encounters, so to speak. And it's a fascinating one. A, a colleague of mine contacted me just the other day because he he actually spoken to some of these witnesses at Broadhaven as adults that grown up. And he just asked if I had any more information other than what's published in my book. I think, I think he was working with a a, a television uh, company about it, but uh, I, I didn't have anything he didn't already have. And we have all these drawings, and you know, you've got the children's handwriting underneath of them, uh, and it is amazing. It, it is. And um, regarding the aerial school sighting in um, Brewer in, in in Zimbabwe, I think we should mention. The first UFO researcher on site was the late Cynthia Hind. Cynthia was a, a friend of mine. She lived in Zimbabwe, and she was on site. And one of the earlier um, sort of TV specials about it, you actually see Cynthia, you know, talking with the children. And uh, I was fortunate that um, Cynthia came to speak at one of our conferences here in the UK and, and talked extensively about this particular incident long before Dr. John Mack came on the scene and, 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 and what have you. Michael Hessman from Germany also uh, visited uh, the, the location and spoke to some of the children as well. But a fascinating account. And again, you know, I think with these schoolyard encounters, um, they usually try and pass it off as mass hysteria or something of that nature. But you know, I'm I'm not convinced that carries much weight. I, I'm really not. I mean, we've all been children, <laughs> and we've all been on on the schoolyard. Well, the you thing know. is also there's a tendency there to take sightings by children and say, well, they're not old enough to have a sighting or to be taken seriously if they tell you what happened to them. So there is that, of course. We have well, Philip Mantle. We have Gene Steinberg. We have Tim Swartz. More to come on the other side. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Visit GCNlive.com today. No matter if supply lines are down, product deliveries are slow, and that most everything costs more these days, you still have neck and shoulder pain, right? Good news. Sunny Bay has new products that target neck and shoulder pain. Products that are in stock now, ready to ship anywhere now. Like our extra long neck heating pads. They provide soothing relief to painful sore necks and backs. You can heat them in a microwave oven and they come in a variety of colors and patterns. And for stress relief, get our lavender scented hands-free neck wraps. Or maybe you need one of our smaller lower back wraps. Great for seniors. Again, there's no shipping delays from Sunny Bay. Find our new products on Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, and sunny-bay.com. Just search for Sunny Bay Neck Wraps. All our products are great for men or women, are reusable, and easy to clean. Remember, just search for Sunny Bay Neck Wraps. Order now because stock is high and shipping is fast from Sunny Bay. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Former President Trump at the NRA conviction in Houston on Friday dismissed calls for more gun control in the wake of the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. He joined Texas Senator Ted Cruz and others in advocating for the opposite. The existence of evil in our world is not a reason to disarm law-abiding citizens who know how to use their weapon and can protect a lot of people. The existence of evil is one of the very best reasons to arm law-abiding citizens. Trump also advocated for stronger security measures for schools, such as a single entry point, strong fencing and metal detectors. But the Uvalde School District safety plan have several measures in place already, such as police officers and software to monitor threats and screen visitors. A recount is underway in the GOP primary for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. Dr. Mehmet Oz and Dave McCormick are barely separated by 900 votes. USA Radio News. Federal jurors in Washington will deliberate the fate of lawyer Michael Sussman Tuesday. He's accused of lying to the FBI about whether he was working on behalf of a client who has ties to the Democratic Party when he brought the Bureau allegations about questionable links between a Russian bank and the Trump organization before the 2016 campaign. Prosecutors say Sussman wanted to use the FBI and major news outlets to deliver an October surprise that would have gave the election to Hillary Clinton. A settlement has been reached with families who lost relatives in last year's collapse of a Surfside, Florida condominium tower that killed 98 people. The $1.02 billion settlement to end litigation over the Champlain Tower South tragedy now awaits approval by a judge. This week was a winner for Wall Street. In fact, the first one for a while. The Dow closed up 1,951 points. The Nasdaq was up 777 points. The S&P 500 added 257 points. You're listening to USA Radio News. Did you know that you could easily be saving up to 90% on your taxes by simply making a phone call? That's right. The Fortune 500, the globalists, all the big billionaires and millionaires, they know about the loopholes written into the law where most of them pay almost zero tax. In fact, many of them pay no tax. You even see it on the news. How are they able to do that? But the common person can't. So whether you're a school teacher, a lawyer, a scientist, a millionaire, a billionaire, or whether you're just a regular blue-collar worker, everybody should learn about the legal, lawful loopholes. 
And we've got an organization and a group that I am so proud to be working with, American Tax Solutions. GCN has a special deal with them to get you the best rates. Here's the most important part. They save you money and then get part of the savings. This is an absolute win-win solution. You've got to give them a call at 855-907-4841 or GCNTaxCut.com. That's GCNTaxCut.com. The only way you miss out is not making the phone call. Make it now. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So you get my perception of that, Philip. If it's yeah, still been, why take them seriously? Ar- but that's ridiculous. Well, I- well, I would argue that it's precisely because they are children that we should take them seriously because they don't have all the vices that we adults do. I've given talks and presentations at a variety of schools and colleges, and I usually found that the, the questions from the children far more interesting and far better than a lot of the adults, to be honest. But they don't have necessarily have the vices that we have. And, and you know, it's not just one. There's another one in that we've, we've been covered uh, now and again in Westall in in Australia, and some of the teachers, I believe, were also witness to that. So it just it wasn't just the children. So it's not just a one-off, but it's nonetheless fascinating. And again, you know, I, I, I could have written more about it in the book, but you know, it it covers a few pages, about four or five pages. I think that's enough, and you you, you can draw your own conclusions from it. But it seems rather apt. It's just coincidence that. It's in the book, and, and the aerial school documentary is out now. And like I say, it's getting it's getting rave reviews. It's it's on my list. If there was a single story you'd want to do a full book on among this group, which one would it be? That's difficult. I would say probably Robert Taylor, but a book has already been done on, on Mr. Taylor. That was done by my colleague, uh, <clears throat> Malcolm Robinson. And I would highly recommend it. I have read it. I can't remember the title of it. I'm sorry, Mike, <laughs> Malcolm. But it is a fascinating... He'll be calling thing. us and he'll be calling us and yelling at us later. Well, he should have let me publish it. Then I would have probably remembered the title, but I didn't. So, um, but, it, it, you know, Mr. Taylor made such an impression on me when I, when I sat in his living room speaking to him. And then there was the police investigation afterwards. Uh, and the police officers have gone on the record... You know, these are not some anonymous policemen. You could say, oh, well, it's only Livingston. It's not It's not the top-notch police officers, but they were as good as anyone. They had the same forensic equipment as, as any other constabulary. Uh, and then there's, you know, the markings on the ground. They were there in that one location and nowhere else. So when you add all that up, you know, I think it makes a convincing case that something bizarre happened that day. And Mr. Taylor was was a witness to it. So that that would probably be the one. But like I said, the book on that's already been done by Malcolm. Of course, you notice here that when a police officer is in a small town, what he or she covers is not taken near as seriously as London or something. But that's not really fair. No, I mean, they go through the same training. They've got the same forensic services. Type of crimes, you know, may differ slightly. But they're nonetheless, you know, extremely trained, well-trained detectives. And this this wasn't you just your, you know, your policeman on the beat. This was the detectives that were involved. 
and they've all gone on the record and supported Mr. Taylor. When you speak, you know, when you sat there and spoke to him, again, you could just see the look on his face. He hadn't got a clue what had happened to him that day. Not a clue. And there's no, again, there's no reason why he would make such a such a, a story up and expose himself to ridicule. But he was an upstanding member of his local community and, and was supported as such. Fast question here, which is, how recent are these landings? Do we see fewer of them now or what? Well, like we said, you know, somebody asked me, when was the last time you investigated one of these cases? Uh, and it's, you know, me personally, it's, it's been a while. But they do come right up to modern times. They're not all back in the in the 1970s. I think the, the last one in the case in the book is 2010. So it's 12 years ago. It doesn't mean others haven't been reported since then. It's just that I don't have access to the information. You're talking here yeah. about Roy Shaw? Yes, yes, that's the last one uh, in in the book. Um, and that's 2010. That's in Exmouth, down in Devon, which is off the, uh, the west of the country. Nice part of the world, by the way. So it's not that long ago when it, when it, when it comes to it, but it doesn't mean that other cases haven't been reported. It's just that I don't necessarily have access to them. But the, the last one in the book is 2010. So they're not all, you know, ancient aliens. <laughs> it's, it's, it is pretty much up to date, to the best of my knowledge. I'd like you to talk about this case. It is interesting. I'm looking at the drawings that he made. Yes, well, Mr. Shaw's, see, the thing that, that he sees, we'll call it the being, the 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 entity, you know, use whatever word you like. Um, it's just a figure. It's just an outline, uh, almost, almost, you know, like your um, your cartoon ghost-like figure from Scooby Doo. Um, and he he reported it to his to his local uh, newspaper. And um, he's a retired engineer. You know, he's out, I think he's taking his dog for a walk, and he's he saw this sort of shimmering thing walk. It, coming towards them i mean you know you know he didn't believe in aliens or flying saucers or ufos but he saw this thing and i mean this is on february in february 2010 uh the ufo again is that, that mr shaw said it's, he said you know it's not untypical of, of some of the stuff seen in the past um so it's not anything bizarre and anything like that and he said he saw this white shape come towards him it was about four feet high seemed to be translucent and moved slowly towards him he was transfixed and he said it made a droning noise um which he couldn't understand he's no idea where this sound was coming from um and and he said it the, the, mr shaw said the ufo appeared to hover over the hedge of the bowling green and then flew horizontally from left to right before immediately shooting off at high speed uh, at a 45-degree angle. And we have we have the drawings that, that Mr. Shaw did. There's a drawing of the UFO in this shape. He just said the UFO appeared from nowhere. He didn't see it fly overhead or land, but it, it, it was on the ground. Um, and, you know, his dog was, was behaving strangely. And, um, it, you know, I think he signs off with... The fact that he, he was an engineer and um, he's, he's used to dealing with things that he can, you know, hit with a hammer and touch and feel and, and things like that. And he's, he just said, there's no way I can explain this. None at all. 
and um, and that's 2010, and that's down in Devon. So it's, you know, it's it, it is a, again just another of these peculiar incidents that come out of the blue, like we said earlier. If anything that links these individuals is the fact that they're just about their everyday task. Yes, Mr. Shaw out walking his dog. I often wonder with this case, had Mr. Shaw not seen the object and just seen this figure, would he have reported it as an apparition or a ghost? I don't know. It's just a question. I don't know the answer to that. But it's an interesting case nonetheless. And like I said, for whoever asked the question, that was 2010. And that's the last one in the book. Now, this particular case, you got this from a local newspaper? Yes, I did. Um, I did. One of my colleagues um, down in Devon, who's sadly no longer with us, he'd spoken to the newspaper and spoken to Mr. Shaw. And um, I didn't put him in the book because, at the, you know, at the time when I was writing this up, he was ill. Um, and he said, yeah, yeah, he was he was convinced that it wasn't uh, it was only a local newspaper, that they weren't exaggerating, you know, that the, the newspaper account was 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 accurate. And um, he had nothing else to add. I, I didn't like to push him too much because he was he was he was extremely ill and, and sadly passed away. But an interesting little case, and it's one that's again, it's it's not going to hit the headlines anywhere. You know, it's not going to be in the next movie or the next documentary, but it's another addition to the to the database of of cases that we have, uh, and you make up your own mind. An interesting thing there, and I'd like to talk about maybe in our next segment, is that it comes from a local newspaper. That, unfortunately, is a dying breed. We don't see as many local newspapers. Certainly, a local paper is often forced to run syndicated content because they don't have enough money in a budget to have real reporters. We've got more to come. Philip Mantle, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. 
Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. As Dr. Wallach says, we all have nutrient deficiencies in our diets and must supplement with 90 essential nutrients in proper balances. At no cost or obligation, get a personal certified holistic health coach to help you develop a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833-VITAL90. That number to call is 833-848-2590. That's 833-VITAL90. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Do you fear getting COVID? I've had COVID four times over two years now, and it is very easy to eliminate from my body. We've all heard the several nutritional and medical recommendations on how to protect from COVID. However, no one is talking about the one I've found to be the most effective. I've had two clients debilitated with COVID symptoms for days or months take our Green Metal Whey protein powder and feel either 100% well or much better in the first 24 hours. That's a faster recovery than offered by any medication or other nutritional supplement. Green Metal Whey is naturally rich in the protein called lactose. Non-denatured lactoferrin is a protein that binds to viruses and cell receptor sites so they cannot enter the cell, as well as defends the body against bacteria, fungi, parasites, and supports abdominal fat loss. I have found that nature always has a superior answer to any health challenge. Let Green Metal Way empower your body and immunity to the highest levels of health. To order, go to bestwayprotein.net. That's B-E-S-T-W-H-E-Y protein.net or call 888-988-3325. Hi, this is Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So nowadays, of course, fewer newspapers. Do you then have to look for TV news as another potential source for sighting reports? Yes, I mean, you know, all of the local newspapers have either closed altogether or have been amalgamated. We're fortunate. That the local newspaper here is still running uh, and it's still in print uh, and it still covers local issues. What is interesting, I told you about the Mrs. Westerman account in Normanton. That's just down the road from where I live. I've run that story in the local media a couple of times here to see if it would entice anyone else, uh, you know, out of the woodwork, but no success. But yes, we look we look for other sources. One of the, the, the other sources of information used to be the local UFO groups. I mean, when I first began, I joined the Yorkshire UFO Society, a local UFO group, and there were lots scattered across the country. A lot of them would do their own little newsletter or whatever, just like we did. And they were a great source of information. 
if it sort of came up a level, it might end up in the Flying Saucer Review, which was a print publication and, you know, you subscribe to it. So that was a great access to it. But now, you know, that's gone. Flying Saucer Review was so beautifully printed in a classic way, an old-fashioned way. Slick papers, I recall, really well done. The kind of thing you really can't do anymore, and it had to be very expensive to produce. Well, yeah, but there were also a lot of little printing companies in those days as well. And we used to use one later on in life. But And they've, again, they've been all swallowed up by the digital process and, and gone. So, like you said, you do look for other sources of information. I'm very fortunate. I mentioned my colleague, John Hansen. John has a, a huge archive of material. Uh, I think he's got something like 250,000 pages of material, a lot of which is reports that is, he's uh, obtained from groups or, in, or individuals that were closing down or died or were packing it in, and he literally saved them for, from the dumpster. So John has been a constant source of information and still is. And he, he publishes his own books under the Haunted Skies banner, and I, I would recommend any of them. So, yeah, you look for other sources of, of information. But the great thing about it is, like I say, that lady contacted me from New Zealand, linking me to her friend who was one of those original witnesses. We didn't have that when I first began. So it swings and roundabouts in a lot of cases, in a lot of instances. The British UFO Research Association, I used to be their director of investigations. When I was there, there was about a 1,000 members. We had about 100 volunteer investigators. It's gone. There's a handful left, a handful of diehards, but it has no membership, no meetings, no publications, just its website, which, which is a great shame because they did some great work. Some of the, the big UFO groups they had in the States have all gone. You know, APRA went, NICAP went. QFOS has gone, apart from in name only. So there's there's only MUFON still chugging along. I wish them every success. So, you know, it swings and roundabouts, really. It is unfortunate that we don't have those old-fashioned UFO organizations. Now anybody can post anything on a social network or on YouTube or somewhere or on Twitter. But then the problem with that is it's not consistent. It's not organized. You don't have a leadership to get up there and say, okay, this is interesting, let's look at this. There's no control, and that is good and bad. No control means you get maybe more material. No control means also that the material is not vetted very well. You know, I'm not just saying this, but there's a sad lack of leadership within the, the UFO community. I mean, a lot of us looked up to people like Dr. Hynek, you know, and, and others, who is the outstanding personality now in, in ufology? Some gentleman who claims he ran a, a government UFO program. I'm not convinced, <laughs> you know. So that's what we've got to put up with as well. So, yeah, there, there's a lack of leadership there as well. Now, in the UK, what kind of investigations do we have by the government nowadays? None. None at all. We had one department where you could report sightings. It wasn't there total job they would just deal with inquiries from joe public that was called secretary a staff an abbreviation 2a and they didn't have a full-time staff on it the staff worked on a whole host of things but you could write to them and they would respond the ministry of defense here in the uk have been pretty consistent they've always said that they're only interested in looking at ufo reports to see if it was of any had any defence implications. By defence implications, they meant was it the Russians? 
it's as simple as that. And they said, to date, no such case had any defence implications because it wasn't the Russians. And that's it. Uh, they had another department called, uh, within the Defence Intelligence Agency, called DI-55, Defence Intelligence 55. And if, if on the rare occasion they did find a case that they wanted to look into, it would be DI-55 that did it. And I'm talking at most a handful of cases per year, most of which at the end of the day still had a, a rational explanation, but they felt it was interesting enough to look into. It didn't mean there were men in black going around knocking on doors, but they would do some more digging. And even they have gone now. DI-55 does not exist Secretary of Air Staff does not exist. If you write with a sighting to the Ministry of Defence, they'll write back and tell you they're not interested. They closed down in 2009 and all their files were sent to the um, National Archives in Kew. And you can go there and look through them or you can obtain a lot of them online. Not all of them are scanned. Some of the earlier documents uh, are not scanned, but they are still there in the National Archives. And during, what was what was good during um, COVID, all, all the UFO files that were on the, the site uh, were free. You could download them all for free. Normally there was a small charge, two or three pound, I think it was, for each file. So I downloaded loads and loads and loads. I haven't, I downloaded that many. I still haven't been able to look at, at them all. There's that, there, there are that many, there's thousands. And of course, the man in charge of all that, although people have written him off as a skeptic, was Dr. David Clark. David was the one man who persuaded uh, the MOD to release their files to the National Archives. And um, David then worked for the National Archives as a consultant, free of charge to help them release these files. They weren't all dumped in one go. They came in batches. And he's, he's on the, the National Archives website as their consultant. So even David will admit this. There are some of the cases there that are curious, uh, but he's not convinced it's anything to do with ET. That's the difference between a skeptic and a debunker. Those who think they might be Russians, look at the war in Ukraine and the way it's going and the way Russia has messed up. If they had advanced technology, do you think it would be that way? Philip Mantle will be back, by the way, for after the Paracast for Paracast Plus listeners. There's plenty to talk with him about. But for now, those interested in UFO Landings UK and all the other stuff you've published, Philip, where do they go? Yeah, just go to Amazon. All, all our books are, are on Amazon. Or they can go to my, uh, my, I have a little blog. It's just flyingdispress.com. And that's disc with a K. And uh, I'm on Facebook and I'm on uh, Twitter, although I don't use it a great deal, but I am on there. But, you know, I'm on Facebook. So um, there you go. I'm easy to find. We know where you are. <laughs> we know how to find you. You can find us on Twitter if you look for the Paracast. You can find us on Facebook, the Paracast and the Paracast fan club. Choose the one you like. We also offer branded merchandise with official logos. Mine and from our previous co-host, Jay Randall Murphy, you pick the logos you like, and then we offer T-shirts and all sorts of good stuff, mugs and caps and many things. Check it out at theparacast.shop. Once again, theparacast.shop. 
dot shop. Philip will return with After the Paracast. If you want to listen to After the Paracast, we want you as a subscriber. Go to theparacast.plus, theparacast.plus to sign up. We also offer this show free of the network ads. How about that? Use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, for a 20% discount on five-year or lifetime memberships. The Paracast Plus. Philip Mandel, always good to talk to you. Thank you for joining us on The Paracast. My pleasure, gentlemen. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in... The Paracast.